Ten years ago, it was 2013, I was planning the Easter focus, and we called it the Hope of Easter. You might remember we had cards printed, we had sign, yard signs made, we had billboards put up, we promoted it as the Hope of Easter. I remember that year I excitedly preached the message proclaiming the hope that we have in Jesus on the day of Easter. Well, all of a sudden, very quickly, it is now 10 years later. And as I think about these 10 years, it is easy for us to see today our world is a darker place. Our world is a more evil, more wicked place, and it seems our world at every turn is becoming a place empty of hope. This morning, you're not surprised when I tell you people are, today are discouraged People today are depressed. People today are disillusioned. And they are looking around them. They are searching for hope. And not only are they not finding it, it seems to be getting worse. Do you know the generation that it is hurting the worst is our young people. Think about that generation. The generation that it appears has everything is finding out that they have nothing of value in this world. The number two cause of death. Sometimes it moves into the number one spot, but the number one, number two cause of death for our young people is now suicide. We're living in a day where people are looking for hope. Well, here is what I've come to tell you this morning. And let me just tell you, if I could, I would make this platform taller. Uh, if I could, I would make this microphone louder. If I could, I would get people to tune in but I, I came to tell you this morning, listen to me very carefully, as dark as it seems, as hard as it may be, listen to me, it is Easter Sunday 2023 and our hope stands today. Did you hear what I said? Amen. Our hope stands today. And so 10 years down the road with gray hair, Ten years older, ten years sure, our message today is, again, the hope of Easter. The hope of Easter. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Today we're going to look at verses 1 through 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 20. The hope of Easter. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 1, God's word says this, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. 
but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God within me. Whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. Now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how does some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and we're thankful for this day. We're thankful for a resurrected Savior. We're thankful for a living hope. Lord, we're thankful for peace that the world can't imagine, that the world can't muster up peace that comes through you. Lord, we come and we celebrate you this morning. I, I, I pray that you're pleased as our voices rise up to you. Lord, I, I pray now as we begin to study your word, I pray that you would speak. And Lord, I pray it wouldn't be a service to endure. It wouldn't be a lecture, the passing on of information. But I pray, Lord, that it would be a supernatural event. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak. I know that your word is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. And so I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning. I pray the church would be encouraged. I, I pray that believers would be renewed. I pray that those that are listening that do not know Christ today, that are suffering outside of a relationship with Christ today, I pray that any hindrance would be removed. And I pray that this Easter, this Sunday morning, this Lord's Day, they would turn to you and receive you in faith. Lord, we trust this to you. We lay it at your feet, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today, we're going to move through our verses here in 1 Corinthians 15. As we move through our verses, I want you to be aware of what's going to happen. As we move through our verses, God is going to speak to us through his word. That's how that happens. It's not my message. Prayerfully, it is his message. As we move through these verses, God is going to speak to us through his word. Now, the first thing we're going to see in our study today is the gospel first and foremost. The gospel first and foremost. Let's begin in verse 1. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand. Here in verse 1 to the church at Corinth, Paul says, I am going to tell you, I am going to remind you of the gospel that I preach to you and that you receive. Now, from our study in the Gospel of John, if you can think back that far, if you remember the Greek word 
for gospel literally means good news. If you go back to the original language, it, it translates good news. And so I want you to see as we begin this morning, from its very definition, be sure today, listen to me, there is good news. There is good news. Sometimes we get robbed of that. We go through life and life is hard and things are tough. We get downtrodden and we forget that. There is good news. Are these days wicked? Yes. Are these some hard days? Yes. Hard times? Yes. Is this world dark? Yes. But church, listen to me. We have good news. I want you to breathe that in. I want you to hear that. We have good news news. I'm going to do something weird. I want you to say that with me. I want you to say that with me. We have good news. Some of y'all are stone-faced. You're not going to do it. Listen to me. Listen to me. Come on. We have good news. Let's go louder. We have good news. Y'all are about to preach this sermon. Verse 2. Listen, we have good news. We have good news. Verse 2. By which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. By which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Get this. How big is the truth of the gospel? You might say, well, it's not that big of a deal. Well, we can disagree on shades of it. How big is the truth of the gospel. Get this this morning. It is only in the truth of the gospel that you are saved. You understand that? It is only in the truth of the gospel that you, that we are saved. Paul says, if you hold fast. I like this. The word means to bind to. Uh, really, it's a weird interpretation. It's a weird translation. It actually means to detain. To detain. We're to hold fast. We're to detain. That word means to not let it go. And so what that means is when you have the truth of the gospel, you are to detain the gospel. You're to not let go of the gospel. When you have the truth of the gospel, you bind yourself to it. You hold to it. You detain the gospel. Do not let it go. Listen to me today. Be very sure of this. Our foundation, we need to be sure of this in this day. Our foundation rests on the biblical gospel. Our salvation comes to the hearing and the receiving of the gospel. Our anchor is tethered to the truth of the gospel. Our duty, the Bible says, is to safeguard the, the, the gospel. Our mission as the church is the proclamation of the gospel. It is the gospel first and foremost. Be sure of that, church. It is the gospel first and foremost. There is good news. It is the gospel. The next thing in our study, we answer, we look at, so what is the gospel? So what is the gospel? If it is that critical, if it is that, if it is that important, that vital, what is the gospel. Now, I hear versions of this. I hear people say, this is the gospel, or this is the gospel. I even hear weird things today. It is an evolving gospel. The question is, if it is that critical, what is 
the gospel. Paul tells us, verse 3, for I delivered to you as of first importance, first priority, what I also received. He received the gospel. He was changed and saved by the gospel. He delivered it to them of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Now the first part says Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. Now go with me. The gospel is this. Jesus the Christ, our Savior, the promised one, he died for our sins. Now you say, what does that mean? Listen to this. We are sinners. All of us have sinned. Sometimes we like to point out other sin and act like it's a bigger deal than our sin. Listen, all of us have sinned. We are sinners. And the Bible says the payment for sin is death. The, the, the wages of sin, the requirement of having sinned, the penalty for sin is death. And so as the remedy for sin, as the answer for, for sinners, the Savior for sinners, Jesus died. Jesus died. Now notice it says, according to the Scriptures. Now this is talking about the Old Testament Scriptures. We need to be clear today, the death of Jesus was always the plan. It wasn't an adaptation to the plan. It wasn't a change in the plan. The death of Jesus for sinners was always the plan. And so you can go back to the Old Testament and it is clearly foretold of in Scripture. The Christ died for sinners. Jesus died for sinners. All right, Paul goes on, verse 4. And that he was buried. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also re received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Verse 4, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scripture. Verse 4 goes on and it says, and that he was buried. And that he was buried. Now, that seems like a trivial, trivial fact, doesn't it? Jesus was buried. It says Jesus died for sinners. Well, now it says Jesus was buried. But I want you to be very clear of the message here. See what this means. This means Jesus was dead. You bury what? A dead person. That's what this is. The message of this is Jesus was dead. He wasn't appearing to be dead. He wasn't close to dead. He wasn't symbolically dead. He was dead. There used to be a saying, I'd hear it out on Route 2, there used to be a saying, and maybe people are too sophisticated to say it now. Maybe people are too educated to say it anymore. I don't know. I don't hear it. But the saying was this. They are graveyard dead. Did you ever hear that? That cat in the road, it is graveyard dead. People used to say that. They are grave. You're dead. Did you know that's what Paul's saying here? You only bury dead people. And he was saying the Christ who died for sins, he was buried. He was graveyard dead. Why put that in the record? Why get that in the written record? It is because, listen, the wages of sin is death. Are you listening? Why put that in the record? It's because the wages of sin is death. And in his actual 
physical, literal death. Listen, man, in his actual, physical, literal death, the wages are paid. Do you see that? That's why it matters. He was buried. He was dead. And in his death, the wages are paid. The wages of sin are paid in the death of Christ. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. What did he do? He washed it white as snow. He was buried. Our debt is paid. Paul goes on. Back to verse 4. And that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And now it says, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Get this, the gospel is this, the good news is this. Jesus having died for sinners, Jesus having paid for sin, is put in the grave, it is paid for. It is settled. The price of redemption is paid in the death and the the blood of Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you, here's the good news of the gospel. And three days later, a stone could not stop him. The grave could not hold him. Death did not defeat him. The cross did not end him. Satan had not overcome him. The guards could not guard him. And I want to tell you, having paid for sin, having been dead in the grave, three days later in power and glory, he walks out of that grave and he is alive. He is alive. Jesus is alive. Our Savior lives. Our Redeemer lives. And that's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul says here, that is the truth. That is the gospel. That is the truth. I want you to be sure of something. You may know this. Where there is the truth, you ever notice this? There's going to be a tax on the truth. You ever notice that? If If you find the truth, if there is the truth, There's going to be a tax on the truth. There will always be people who seek to to disparage the truth, to discredit the truth, to deny the truth. We see it right from the start. You go to the book of Genesis, you go to the garden, it's right from the start. When there is truth, there are people that under the leading of Satan, they want to twist the truth They want to hide the truth. They want to deny the truth. They want to adapt the truth. It is still happening today. You want to know why our world is such a mess today? You want to know why we see all the crazy things we see today? You want to know why the world can't find any hope in itself today? It is because they are rejecting the truth. Well, here in the church in Corinth, it was already happening. Now, I think about this, this is crazy, but I think it tells us human nature. Here in the church in Corinth, it's already happening. There are people still alive, that's what the verse says, who saw the resurrected Christ. It says, now some have gone to sleep, some have passed away, but there are people still alive who saw the resurrected Christ. You know what, I saw the crucifixion, you know what, I saw him alive again. You know what, you don't believe that? Maybe you need to go talk to to old Jewish Joe around the corner there. You know what, he saw him. 
You go, you go talk to Hebrew Herald. He's around the corner. He'll tell you about it as well. But even so, there are people who are already saying there's no such thing as a resurrection. There are people that actually saw it, but already there are people who are saying there's no such thing as a resurrection. You know what? It's not possible. I don't know if you've ever seen a dead man, but they don't come back to life once their heart stops. That's not a smart thing to believe. That's not a logical thing to believe. That's not plausible. It did not happen. The Sadducees, a sect of the Jews, had always said that. But now it is taking hold in the, in the church. People in the church are buying into it. It is gaining ground in the church. There are some folks, and they're saying, Jesus did not really die. He just appeared to. There are some folks that say, he really did die. He just didn't really arise. He just appeared to. And people in the church are starting to listen to the false teaching. Today, it's no different. Today, there are people coming on, and they say this is all a silly superstition. And you know what? We're so much smarter than that, and you'd have to be crazy illogical to believe all of that. There are folks coming along, and they're trying to soft sell it, and they say, well, it's all symbolic anyway. It's a moral fable that we're to learn from. You can't put any stock in that. Don't put any credit in it. It's just a moral fable that we ought to learn from. There are others that say, you know what, there's no such thing as a physical resurrection. It was spiritual in nature that there, he spiritually arose, but not physically. And there's all kinds of false teachings today about the resurrection. Well, in our verses today, Paul answers the question. Now, before I get there, I got everybody assembled, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lay something out right here. We need to know this. Listen, we need to know this. The truth will always stand. Did you know that? You got the truth. I don't care what the subject is. You got the truth. The truth will stand. And you can't count on much these days, but I want to tell you what you can count on. You can count on the truth. If it is true, it is true. If it is the truth, it will stand. Friends, I want you to be clear today. We do not have to be ashamed of the biblical truth. That, that's pushed in on us. Well, that's illogical. That's ignorant. Listen, we do not have to be ashamed of the biblical truth. We do not have to be leery of the biblical truth. We do not have to be timid of the biblical truth. The truth will stand. Young people, listen to me. The world's going to come along and they're going to say this is nonsense. The world's going to come along and say, well, you need to put part of this down. Maybe you can uphold some of it. Listen, young people, you hear me today, and you be sure of it. God's word is truth, and the truth will stand. All right, go with me down to verse 12. The next thing we're going to see in our study today is the reality of the resurrection. The reality of the resurrection. Head it down to verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Verse 12, Paul says this. This is my translation. What in the world? That's what he says in verse 12. What in the world? What in the world? Let me tell you something. I'm going to be honest with you. Almost daily these days I say, what in the world? What in the world? What in the world? Verse 12, he says, what in the world? Now if Christ has preached 
that has been raised from the dead. How do some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? What in the world? Verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. All right, here we go, verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. If there is no resurrection, if Jesus is not alive, the first implication is this. Our preaching is vain. It doesn't say it's in vain. It says it is vain. If Jesus is not alive, the first implication is our preaching is vain. The word vain means empty. It means foolish. It most literally means amounting to zero. There is nothing there, amounting to zero. And so Paul says, if Jesus is not alive, then all of the going and all of the telling and all of the preaching is empty and it amounts to nothing. All of the sermons, all of the pulpits, all of the messages ever delivered, if Jesus is not alive, it is for nothing. Let me make a point right here. And so the only preaching that amounts to something The only preaching that holds value, are you listening, is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, I want you to be clear today, and I want you to understand this. If the message you are hearing is not the message of a Savior who has died for sinners, who is buried, and who stands again three days later as the risen Lamb of God. I don't care how much it helps you. I don't care how much it encourages you. If that is not the message you're hearing, that is preaching of no value. Sometimes people ask me a question. I'll answer it here in front of everybody. Sometimes people ask me a question. Why don't we go over here to listen to this preacher? Or why don't we go over there to listen to those preachers? Why don't we very often have someone come here uh, to, to preach? And let me just make it very simple for you. Listen very carefully. We're not mad at anybody. We're not against anybody. But I'm gonna be very honest with you. I don't know what they'll preach. I don't know what they'll preach. And it may be awesome. And praise the Lord, we'll pray that it is. I don't know what they'll preach, but I can promise you this. I can promise you what we will preach, and we will preach the gospel of a Savior who dies for all sinners, who loves all sinners, who has paid the penalty, who has risen from the grave, who stands in victory. First implication, preaching is vain. If Jesus is not alive, preaching is vain. Second implication is this. If Jesus is not alive, your faith is also vain. Your faith is also vain. The word for faith here is believing. That's what it means. Believing. Paul says, if Jesus is not alive, your believing is vain. If Jesus is not alive, it is empty. Your believing is foolish and it amounts to zero. I want you to hear that again. If Jesus is not alive, your believing amounts to nothing. He keeps going, verse 15. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God 
that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if in fact the dead are not raised. Now the third implication, if Jesus is not alive, we are lying about God. If Jesus is not alive, we are lying about God. We are saying God raised Jesus from the dead. That is our message. That is our gospel. And if Jesus is not alive, our message is a lie. Now let me point this out. As believers, listen to me, it's not about churches. It's not about denominations. As believers, our concern is the truth of God and the truth of his word. And so I want to tell you, we, we have to be very careful. We have to be very discerning to only hold the truth of God, to only preach the truth of God, to only speak the truth of God. If Jesus isn't alive, we're liars. We're lying about God. Moreover, verse 15 again, moreover, we were even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. All right, verse 16. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. Verse 16 is a restatement. Verse 16, he's saying again, what in the world? What in the world? For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. All right, verse 17 is a huge verse. Verse 17 is an awesome verse. Let me, just, let me just get to it. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. The fourth implication is this. If there is no resurrection... If Jesus is not alive, your faith is worthless. The Greek word for, for worthless here, it means without benefit. It means to have no effect of no purpose. And so if, you're, if Jesus is not alive, your faith results in nothing. By faith we're saved. Listen, if Jesus is not alive, your faith is of no worth. It is of no value. Now, here's the reason why, the fifth implication. If Jesus is not alive, you are still in your sins. If Jesus is not alive, you are still in your sins. Now, I want you to stay hooked right here. Stay with me. To be saved by faith in the gospel, it has to be the gospel. Do you understand? That's why we can't tolerate false teachers we can't tolerate, tolerate false teachings. We have to hold to the truth of the gospel. To be saved by faith in the gospel, it has to be the gospel. To be saved by faith in the gospel, it has to be the fullness of, the completeness of the gospel. And so we know the gospel is the death of Jesus for sin and, and, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. What is the gospel? It is the entirety of the account. It is the death of Jesus for sin, and it is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And so listen to me. If there is no resurrection, the cross is just another death. If there is no resurrection, the crucifixion is just another murder. If there is no resurrection, the grave is just another grave. And as generous 
And admirable as it would be for Jesus to go to that cross and die that death, if there is no resurrection, there is no effect to it. Now what that means is, you'd still be in your sin. You'd still be guilty of your sin. You'd still be condemned in your sin. Under the weight and the penalty of your sin is where you would reside. If there's no resurrection, you're guilty for your sin. You can't become separated from your sin. The shame and the guilt of your sin reside on you. Good grief. Listen to me. Listen to me. Friends, we ought to love Easter. Woo, we ought to love Easter. Are you listening? We ought to love Easter. We ought to love Easter, not because we like the time of the year, not because we like the flowers that are starting to come out, not because of all the memories that are attached to it, not because it has been marketed to us. We ought to love Easter because in the truth of Easter, my sin is paid for, my debt is paid, the, the payment is received, and my sin is redeemed, paid for in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus, and that's why we ought to love Easter. <laughs> Glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I don't know about your sin. I don't know about your sin. I know about mine. And I want to tell you the, the good news of Easter is because there is a death, a Savior dying for sin, because there is a resurrection, my sin is finished, settled, taken care of. Oh, how we ought to love Easter. Still going. Sixth implication, verse 18. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Such a sad verse. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Now the word fallen asleep, we see it in the New Testament several places. It is, it is a phrase that means talking about somebody that has passed away, someone that has died. They have fallen asleep. They have died in Christ. It means in fellowship with Christ by faith in Christ. And so this person was a believer. They had trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sin. They had trusted Jesus Christ for the provision of their eternal life. And so this person has died in Christ. Well, the, Paul says here, if Jesus is not alive, those who have died in Christ have perished. They have perished. Now that word, it's a hard word. It means this, been destroyed, been cut off, cut off, ruined, to come to a miserable end. Listen, if there's no resurrection of the dead, if Jesus is not alive, those folks that we have loved and walked with, our family members, our friends, our brothers, our sisters, our parents, our grandparents, those that have trusted Christ, listen, if there's no resurrection they are gone. They are dead. They are in the grave. They have come to a miserable end. That is the reality if Jesus is not alive. Verse 19, 
I'm excited about verse 19. Verse 19 is very interesting. I think sometimes I've gone too fast over verse 19. Let me, let me look at verse 19. Verse 19 is an awesome verse. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. What is that saying? If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Verse 19 tells us there is hope in believing in Jesus now. Listen to me. There is hope in believing in Jesus now. This life is better believing in Jesus right now. I, I watch folks. I don't know how they make it. I don't know how they go through the things we go through and not believe in Jesus Christ. This life is better believing in Jesus. This life is bearable now believing in Jesus, believing in Christ. I, again, I don't know how folks make it. This life is endurable. It is makeable. It is bearable now believing in Christ. But listen to me. That's not the point here. Verse 9 tells us we are most to be pitied if there is no eternal impact of the gospel. That's what verse 19 is saying. There's hope now. It's good now. But we are most to be pitied if there is no eternal impact of the gospel. Friends, listen to me this morning. Faith in our gospel takes root right now. Faith in our gospel, it grows right now. Faith in our gospel, it is a blessing right now. Faith in our gospel, it is awesome and glorious right now. Oh, but I want you to hear me today. I want you to be sure this Easter Sunday, eye has not seen and ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 19 is saying, listen, it is awesome now, but let me tell you about heaven. It is awesome now, but let me tell you about glory. You see, there's no sin there. There's no stain of sin there. There is no guilt and there's no shame in heaven. You'll walk through heaven, there'll be no guilt, there'll be no shame. There is no sickness there, there is no death there. There is no parting there. We're not gonna say goodbye there. There's no caskets there. There's not a hearse to ride around in there. There is nothing that will steal our joy there. The Bible says there are no tears there. Most of all, listen to me, there is Jesus there. And there is fruit and there is a blessing in the gospel now. But let me tell you about heaven. Jesus is there. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. Our gospel bears an eternal impact. Today in our study, that is the reality of the resurrection. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That brings us to the last piece. I don't know if I have enough breath to do it. That brings us to the last part of our study. And we have seen as we've passed through these 20 verses, it is the capstone. It is the apex. It is the pinnacle of the whole thing. The last thing we're going to see this morning is this. We're going to see the hope 
of Easter. What is the hope of Easter? It's been 13 years since I preached on it. I don't even remember that sermon, but I want to answer the question, what is the hope of Easter? What is the hope of Easter? Here's the hope of Easter. Listen very carefully. The first part of verse 20. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. Did you notice that was past tense? Did you notice Paul tells us that as it is a fact of history? But now Christ has been raised from the dead. The false teachers have denied it. The world has disparaged it. Satan despises it. And yet Paul says, listen to me, everything has changed, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. I want you to hear me this morning. I want you to be sure of this. Our hope today as sinners, our hope today in a dark world, our hope today in a world that is searching for hope is that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And because he is, our preaching has value. Because he is, our faith bears fruit. Because he is, in the grace of God, our sins are forgiven. Because he is, our our beloved who have passed away are safe right now with Jesus because he is our past is redeemed because he is our future is secure because Jesus is alive Jesus is alive there is good news today there is good news today We weeble wobble our way through life and we moan and we bellyache and we get down. Listen to me. There is good news. Jesus is alive today. We're about done. I want to try something. I want you to try something. I want you to take any sentence. I want you to take any situation, and then I want you to follow it with that truth. And this is going to help us have resurrection vision today, leaving our service. I want you to take any situation, and I want you to follow with that truth. Here, let me help you. It's been a tough year, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. Had an unexpected diagnosis. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. Stood by a grave. Hearts are broken. We're missing somebody right now. We're missing somebody. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. Went through a divorce. Went through a divorce. I can't even feel I'm numb right now. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. Got trouble with our kids. I don't know how they got into this stuff. We, we seem to have a problem between us. Got trouble with the kids. I'm not sure what to do. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. Oh, I've messed up. I've failed. Oh, I've messed up. Oh, I've got regret. If I could take it back, if I could do something else, if I could go back and make different decisions, oh, the regret I have. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. Listen to me today. Whatever situation you're in this morning, Easter Sunday morning 2023, wherever you find yourself this morning, whatever your situation, listen to me very carefully. Jesus is alive right now. 
His grace is offered to you and the truth of his gospel right now. He loves you. He hasn't stopped loving you. His love for you hasn't diminished, and that is true right now. Listen to me. Jesus is alive. That is the hope of Easter. That is the hope of Easter. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Let's pray. During Father, we come and we worship you. We praise you. Lord, we make a mess of things. Life is hard. Life is dark. We have shame. We have regret. We have what ifs. We have things that others have caused us. We have things we've caused ourselves. Our hearts hurt at disappointments. Our hearts hurt at death and sickness. But Lord, we come and we stand on this Easter Sunday morning. We know. There was a day when dark and despair was all there was. And on the first day of the week, this day, as the sun came up as it did this morning, you walked out of that grave and you stand as the risen Savior, the hope of sinners. Lord, we praise you today. We thank you. We worship you today. Lord, I pray for some here looking for hope. I pray that they've heard it. They receive it today. Lord, I pray for some that are hurting and lost, that they know, oh, Jesus is alive. Those that are are gonna face tough things even right now in the midst of them. Oh, Jesus is alive. I pray for some that are perishing now in their sin, tired of carrying the guilt and the shame. Lord, I pray that they would turn and understand Jesus is alive. Lord, we're thankful for hope that endures. We're thankful for peace that stands. We're thankful for an anchor that holds. We're thankful for you, our King, our Lamb, our Savior, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to close our...